Hey everybody, this is Raymundo Gonzalez. And this is Jamani Rosario. Welcome to the Latinx Guard Podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. Remember, everything we say is just for fun. Nothing's meant to be taken too seriously. If you are going to be a hater, stay a hater. But either way, support. Welcome everybody to Latinx Guard Podcast. This is your host, Raymundo Gonzalez. And this is Jamani Rosario. Today we're joined by our special guest, yet once again, introduce yourself. It's Anthony Grajales. So this is a very special episode because we're going to touch on a topic that's very popular in jiu-jitsu right now. It is making money in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. How to do it. Bling, bling. When to start doing it. What are the best ways to do it? What are the worst ways to do it? Who should, who shouldn't be making money? (laughs) Boy, you are in for some hate today, but why else soon? Russell Harris shouldn't be making money (laughs) from (laughs) jiu-jitsu. But why else tune into the Latin X-Guard podcast if not to hear our boisterous opinions about the subject okay so we're going to start out very simply we're going to go around and talk about how we started making money in brazilian jiu-jitsu i guess i'll start i think my experience was probably one of the more common experiences in brazilian jiu-jitsu where i was just in the gym eight hours a day and then the head coach came up to me and says hey you're going to be here anyway waiting till the start of class why don't you teach your kids class right actually i don't even think i started then i think i started cleaning right so it was basically the same story yeah so Head coach sees me, say, hey, would you want to just clean the mats anyway? We need a guy. And I said, sure. Right. And then eventually evolved into teaching the kids classes, which eventually evolved into teaching the adult classes. But basically, my recruitment was I was just here all the time. Right. And I think that's the probably one of the most common ways that people are recruited to start working at a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym or a business is that they are just the people who are there all the time. So I think at least when I asked certain business owners, they looked at this quality of dependability and just presence in the gym more favorably than maybe some actual qualifications in terms of like proficiency in teaching or eloquency. Um, I think Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym owners look at the availability or their dependability. Yeah, you Uh, can't beat, it's right there. Yeah, and um, prioritize that over a lot. But that was my story, right? I was in the gym all the time. I got hired because of that. Uh, what about you, Giovanni? Um, pr- pretty much the same. Um, sa- same guy that hired you hired me. Um, pretty much like at the after I found jujitsu, it kind of just became a priority. Everything I did revolved around it. All my jobs, everything that I got, you know, my partners. Um, so I was training all the time, like you said, just at the gym. And very similar, I, I got offered a cleaning job. Um, and then that kind of progressed to teaching kids, and then teaching adults, and I now currently. Um, kind of lead my own the at least the jiu-jitsu program at the gym that I currently teach at so it's it was like um at first it was just literally like going to school or like an internship kind of thing you know you're just kind of learning the way it, with jiu-jitsu though it was it was weird because nobody prepares you for you know or, or there's there wasn't like a course to take on how to teach or how to you know properly go about that but um yeah that that was my story how about you Anthony it's pretty similar to your guys' story, except I, I think for me, you guys were like handpicked and, and I had to stick my foot in the door. <laughs> like I was hanging out in the gym a lot and I was like, like, oh, these guys are doing it. And with some of these guys, I'm like, I think I could do it too. There's a few people who I was like, oh, I think I could do that. And then I would ask. And I think at first it was, it was kids class. Like there was a kids class that was in the middle of classes that I was already going to. I'm like, oh, they need, if there's 20 kids in the class, I'll go help them out. And then from there, I was like, oh, I want to teach an adult class. I have availability in my schedule. And then from there, I just progressed. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that we're going to talk about for the first third of the podcast. We're going to talk about 
how to get your foot in the door or how to at least make yourself more visible if you wanted to start teaching at a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school. I think one of the most uncommon characteristics of teaching in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or at least getting employment in a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu space, is the actual recruitment or application process, right? It's not like a Starbucks or a McDonald's where you walk in, you hand in your resume to whoever's at the register, and you say, can you pass this along to your manager? Typically, if you walk into a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school, you can talk to the head instructor, or at least someone with uh, recruitment power there, right, immediately. And even if, and I've, I've seen this happen, even if you are like a 10-time world champion, you're a Bunam Officina, and you walk into Joe Smo Jiu-Jitsu Studio, at least in my opinion, it's not going to be the easiest process for you to get to start working at any particular Jiu-Jitsu school, just because I think most Jiu-Jitsu instructors, I hope, would want someone who's already well-established in their own community to take a leadership role or at least a teaching role in that community. So basically, you kind of have to have been a part of that community or at least a part of that jiu-jitsu environment for a while, right? So I believe that if you wanted to get employment at whatever jiu-jitsu school that you're trying to get to, you have to make yourself very visible, right? People have to know who you are. The instructor has to know who you are. And you have to Build rapport. Yeah, you have to build rapport, right? You have to build uh, an uh, an air of trustworthiness, right? Know that you're a dependable person. You have to show up to a lot of classes. And God forbid, you have to train jiu-jitsu, you know? (laughs) You have to take the classes. You have to roll with everybody. Um, I know that's like a really weird way to gain employment. That's kind of like if I wanted to work at McDonald's, I have to eat at McDonald's every single day. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very weird way to get a job. But it's kind of the main process of employment in Brazilian jiu-jitsu right now. Um, What do you think, Rahalas? I think it's... I think you're absolutely right. Um, a lot, a lot of these gyms, it's very much like who do you know more so than what do you know, and it's it's more like when you get a job, it's like oh yeah, my boy he could come in, he could teach X Y Z class at this time, rather than like seeking out and getting someone for a specific process. I know um, th- there's another gym where I'm friends with the owner and it's a new gym, and he reached out to me because he knows that I was already coaching, and and he asked me to come in, but part of that was because he already knew who I was. He, I had trained with him before. I had trained with a lot of the guys at, at his prior gym before, and so there was already a report build up. If I was just exactly who I am and he just saw my profile on, on IG or whatever, he would have been like, I don't give a shit about that guy. I don't care. It's because he knew me, and I think that's a big reason why you don't see coach owners going out and getting a so-and-so, uh, whoever it is, because they know that their students, 95% of them, they don't know who they are. They don't, like... Some people in this room will know who Gordon Ryan is, but they won't, know, they won't be able to name like three other people who meddle at ADCC. They don't know who the Rotolo brothers are. They don't know who anyone is. And so if you get them to come in, the vast majority of people in the room don't care. Yeah. And you know who they do care about? They do care about, you know, whatever. Jimmy Triangle's like, oh, I love that guy. I want to, I want to train with him. He's teaching this class. I know him. I'm going to come in and work with him, but they, they, they're stranger danger. Yeah. I, I think uh, building rapport and building visibility and building trustworthiness is a huge part in getting employed in any jiu-jitsu space. Um, I, I think if you're not like like me and Giovanni, like handpicked and cultivated for this specific role, I think you have to be upfront with the person in management in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu school. Not necessarily like demanding a job or being like, I want to work here, but just showing them a willingness, right? I think we have, I think a great example is some of the instructors that we have in training now. And they're actually instructors in the school that I'm uh, teaching at right now, but they showed or they approach us with a willingness to learn how to teach, right? They didn't say, hey, when can I start working? We're like, I have an interest in teaching. How does this progress look if I wanted to start teaching one day? And 
at least for us, I think we've cultivated a pretty good program where it mostly just involves shadowing the instructor for the day or shadowing the instructor for the class, being the uke for that class. And then because that just gives you, just like taking a private lesson, it just gives you exposure uh, being next to that person who is doing the job that you eventually want to do. Now, the hard part about doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which we will get into, <laughs> is that very little often is this training, quote-unquote, or teaching paid, right? Yeah. A lot of the times, it comes at your own expense of your own time, and you have to come in on your own dollar, typically still paying a membership in order to learn how to teach or at least shadow the instructor or uh, make yourself more visible, right? If the instructor tells you, yeah, we'll get you in a class, you can uh, shadow Johnny Black Belt, you can be a Zuke, and then like you'll pick up some tips and tricks from him, how he runs a good class. Or he tells you, well, I'd like you to train here for a couple months, like we get to know you, feel out like who you are as a person. This is all going to come off of your dime, right? You got to pay for your geese, you got to pay for your membership, you got to pay for laundry, all this stuff. Pay for your Metro card. Pay for everything, right? You got to pay for the shampoo that you're going to use after class, right? So all of this stuff still comes off of your own expense. So it's just like going to college, right? You got to pay for the classes in order to earn a degree. And sometimes, you know, instructors won't really find you credible unless you're a certain belt rank, right? And, yeah. that, and at that point, you're really paying for your degrees, right? You got to pay for the membership to become a purple belt. It, it just becomes a whole, not hassle, but at least a whole process in order to become a qualified quote-unquote teacher. Giovanni, what are your feelings on this? Um, Man, I I agree with a lot of the points you made. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. Um, We were, it it was in the context of promotions, but um, we were, something that has helped me over the years, right? Because again, we're not taught how to, about how to go about teaching jujitsu, right? And how to, you know, become better at some of these other skills that are required. Like, it's one thing to teach jujitsu, but if you're going to run a business, right, there's all these other things that you got to account for. Um, so one of the things that obviously is helpful is being able to talk to people and figure out their goals, right? So if you come to me and you say, I want to do jujitsu, I would like to find a way to be a part of the school, instruct, you know, just like make it clear to the business owner, right? Whether that's you or maybe you're the one looking for that. So for me, that was um, something that was helpful. Like I was, once I left the gym that I first started and I moved over to um, mostly where I did a lot of my internship. I was very vocal about wanting to pursue jujitsu, you know, and it was something that I knew I wanted to do. And and it didn't come right away. Like there was no availability, but, you know, um, the head coach was like, yo, um, you know, I'll, I'll keep you posted. Thank you for letting me know. Like I'll they, put you on. I'll put you on. But I think that's how it works in a lot of the business in the world, right? Like if you if you know someone, that's just gonna give you a much easier way to like, you know, rise up to that position or, or get to wherever it is you need to get to, right? Is at the end of the day, is connects. Like we all need them for yeah, sure. For sure. One thing that I definitely want to get into um, is just how important being personable or charismatic is when it comes to teaching. Yeah. Um, one thing that's out, one thing that's definitely within your control is how you treat other people and the quality of your interactions with other students at the gym. So let's say that you want that you want to teach or want, are seeking employment in a certain jiu-jitsu school or in the jiu-jitsu business, right? I think that it's very important for you to put yourself out there. And I know that's very difficult, me being an introverted person, like sometimes like these... Um, interactions with people can seem somewhat taxing or at least more taxing than uh, what it would be to other people. But it's very important that you do put yourself out there and start answering questions that students have, start offering solutions to their problems, or at least jujitsu related. Don't go around giving free therapy advice, especially if you're not qualified. Yeah. 
Don't be a life coach. Don't be a life coach, right? But definitely be like an armbar coach if you know how to do a couple armbars, right? But definitely put yourself out there, start talking to students, start rolling with white belts, you know, under not the pretense that you want to like build your brand, right? Start genuinely finding a desire to help and better people's jujitsu because ultimately that's what makes a good teacher, right? Yeah. The the drive and the altruistic desire to see other people improve, right? If you just want to become jujitsu famous, if you just want to boost your own ego, that's definitely not the way to do it. And I think people can see through that, right? I think whenever I teach a class, I really want not everybody to get the move, but I want everybody to feel included, right? I want everyone to feel like they at least attempted to learn something and had someone who was supporting that endeavor. So I think if the one thing that you definitely can control if you're trying to teach at a jiu-jitsu school is your own outlook and your own mentality and how you approach and treat other people in the school, right? Start answering questions, stay a little bit, talk to other people. Because I know many jiu-jitsu instructors that I'm, I'm just going to start hating <laughs> are just not good at teaching, right? But people still come to their classes because they're very charismatic. They remember everybody's name. They know what they do for a living. They ask them, how's your, how's your wife? How's your kids? How's your boyfriend? All this stuff. And people appreciate that. Right. I think that thing of uh, visibility, people like to be seen, people like to be seen that thing of visibility, that thing of um, being charismatic and empathetic and compassionate to the people carries a long way. Right. Um, I definitely not, not to cut you off. No, I, I, I don't even think that was hateful enough. Like, I think that if you if you're not like the best jujitsu instructor, like, but you know enough jujitsu to teach me the basics, fundamentals or teach me at least what this sport is, what my what I'm supposed to do. Cool. And but all that other stuff. Right. Like that's the, I think a lot of the stuff people overlook. So then you do have the shitty instructor who also has a shitty personality. And it's like, oh, here, this is what we do. You know, and they make you feel like an asshole, and then because you don't, you you you're offended or some shit, and then you got to put it on me. Like, so there is. Maybe the, like a stupid, I make a stupid face when you ask a question or stuff like that. Yeah, like dog, I I'm just here trying to learn why we're wearing pajamas, you know. Um, but there, there's definitely those kind of instructors out there, and it's like, yo, you're, not only are you not qualified, but you're also fucking shitty person. Like, get out of here. Yeah, I also want to shout out, or rather, maybe start hating on some schools that don't necessarily <laughs> set up their instructors for success, right? I think that there are many schools that offer a space for instructors to start teaching, but don't offer a set curriculum or a certain outline or a certain structure yeah. for the way that they want their uh, product to be sold, right? Because at the end of the day, we are selling a product. We are selling jiu-jitsu lessons, and people come in to learn in this particular environment, but they don't have as tight of like a quality control when it comes to like what um, product gets put out there. Like the format or... The rules or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Grahala, definitely talk on this if you have an opinion. No, well, I, I've definitely seen that. Well, uh, anyone who's been training the sport for a while knows that a lot of gyms run their classes differently. Like, there's the example of the gym that I spent most of my time training at. You show up, they do drills, and then half of the class is sparring. There's open men and stuff like that. But there's a lot of gyms that you go to. Like, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm going to bring my gi with me. I'm going to go to wherever gym. I'm going to train with Paharas. And then you're doing jumping jacks for... <laughs> 30 fucking minutes <laughs> and you're having a heat stroke and then you're getting shark tanked by everyone because you're the new guy or whatever that's like a separate issue but it's like there's some places that have like there's a lot of different formats to run a class and if you're going to bring someone in and you know you're on one end of the spectrum and you're going to bring in a guy on the other end of your spectrum it's like well maybe some students are going to appreciate that but there's going to be some disharmony and if, if it's something that the owner doesn't like there's an easy way to figure that out before it happens so it's like someone got hired to the gym that I train at and then they made people do jumping jacks for 45 minutes there'd be a problem 
but that's a very easy situation to suss out for the owner, for whoever is running the curriculum or whatever. Right, like when you have multiple, um, not that it's bad, right, to have different, uh, a variety of instructors, right, because you get to learn from multiple people, but when you're, you know, you come in one day and you're learning side control escapes and then the next day you're learning about fucking heel hooks, things like that can definitely be confusing for, for a lot of the people that are beginners in the sport, for sure. Yeah, so now I'm gonna start hating, right? <laughs> I just think there are some people. If we go back to the Rosemont Parhas example, and just like the, the academy is not setting uh, up their instructors for success, I think a huge part of it is certain people just shouldn't be employed in the jiu-jitsu space, right? And even if they're here for eight hours a day, that's no qualification for them to be teaching and in charge of the safety and learning of other people, right? I've seen certain people that. Maybe they can even do the moves really well. Maybe they're great arm bars. They're great loop chokers, right? They're but excellent grapplers. Excellent grapplers, but just... Bad people, bad teachers. Bad people, bad teachers. I think those two are just the biggest disqualifications in that order for uh, not teaching a jiu-jitsu class, right? Yeah. So I think one thing that I'm really disappointed in, and I'm going to get a lot of flack for what I'm about <laughs> to say. I think one of the things that I'm really disappointed in, at least in the um, recruitment of jiu-jitsu teachers, is that there is absolutely no background check required to start teaching in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu space. And if you get flack, you'll send them this way. We take them on. That is something that should be required. I agree 100%. Um, no. I, I think especially background checks, they're, they're pretty easy to do. They're, they don't take a long time. You don't need to like uh, hire the secret service to, to do a background check. It, they're really easy, and it'll disqualify so many of the situations that you hear happening in the news or the jiu-jitsu world, like the worst offenses. They'd be really quickly sussed out or preempted if you had just done like the most basic background check on these people. And it's not like a chemistry test. Like you just have to not be a felon, more or less, right? Yeah. Like we're just doing don't a be back a sex offender. Yeah, like we're we're you're getting this done to make sure that you're not a fucking you know piece of shit human, more no, or less. I understand. These are all great points because right now the current background check in the jiu-jitsu space is if like do you have a swastika tattooed on, it on your chest right on your, or on your like, face do you have like the white power like stamped on your forehead do you have like a nah, gang some, tattoo some, like, some schools right might let you belly? train though bro don't even get me started on that don't. okay yeah, I, I, schools I, that let you train like that so <laughs> let's, like, let's be real yeah. <laughs> no i i have definitely heard uh, and again when i say heard i'm saying i read a story on reddit once yeah, where, i read that story too <laughs> yeah Facts. where there was just a guy who showed up to an open mat and he forgot his rash guard, but this guy was a purple ball training there for three years. And then everybody found out. That's how everybody found out that he had like the double lightning bolts on his chest, the double right? Lightning bolts. The double lightning bolts. And they were like, "What's that?" And it was like, "Oh no, it's a dumb teenager." Like, it stands it's like, for a oh, squad. Yeah? That was like twenty it. years ago. You didn't get it lasered off. You never thought of that. Like, yeah, that it. You never got it covered up. He usually has a rash guard on. Obviously, he didn't so, think about it. And yeah, and it's one of those things <laughs> where, black. like, <laughs> this guy was in a leadership role in the community. And then it was this huge thing. And then, like, the people there weren't comfortable training there anymore. But then all the flack always comes back to the owner, yeah. right? Yeah. It's always the owner's responsibility to make sure that... And I'm not saying that... May, maybe he's right. Maybe he d didn't have the funds to afford the laser surgery. You know, life gets busy. Maybe it slipped his mind, right? But I think as the owner, as the person in charge of maintaining the safety of the space, you come up to the guy and be like, listen, I understand that you can't do it tomorrow. It's impractical to make... like." take you to the laser and be like, get it off right now. But at least give me a deadline. Are you going to get in with, uh, done within three weeks, within three months? But you cannot train here if you're going to perpetually have that, right? Or at least I don't feel comfortable and my students shouldn't feel comfortable training with something like that around them, right? Same thing, running the background checks. It is always the owner's responsibility to make sure that the people teaching and leading their classes or at least the people in the leadership roles 
are the most qualified for those roles, right? And just like Grahala said, a background check is the is what I believe to be the minimum, right, in order to screen the instructors or the people that you want to have in these leadership roles. It's a very grappling only works in a very high trust atmosphere, and if you don't have trust, it's it's almost impossible to train the sport. I mean, it it's funny you don't think about it too much, but you could be at an open mat and there's someone who you don't know who's like, hey, can I borrow you real quick? And then they they choke you to within an inch of your life. And you have to have an incredible amount of trust to let someone do that. If someone said that to you on the street, you'd call the cops. Oh, <laughs> you know 100%. What I mean? So it, for the most part, there's filters. You know, people get socially screened out. But if that whole idea of, oh, yeah, so-and-so is my boy, I'm going to set him up. And then, you know, your boy has was part of the Aryan Nation or your boy is a sex creep or whatever it is, that's big power. Oh, that's not good. And I think a lot of, like, simple things like getting the background check works, or, I mean, I think that what it really boils down to is nobody wants to have that conversation. I know I don't want to have that conversation with people. People are being, like, kind of stupid, and I'm like, I'm like just, like, a little bit stupid. Like, oh, maybe you're going, like, a little bit too hard sometimes, maybe whatever. It's hard to sit down with someone and give them that feedback or even sit, tell someone, oh, like, I actually don't want you to come to class because of whatever reason. And that's a really hard conversation to have with someone who you might be friendly with, who you, he wore the rash guard for the first few years he was training at your gym, you didn't know, or whatever else it is, to tell them, oh, actually, you know, we drink coffee together sometimes, but, you know, you're white supremacist and I don't want you training at the gym. Yeah. And it can it doesn't have to be such a severity of, like, being a white supremacist yeah, or being, example. like, the ultimate sex creep, right? I think that's a very, like, out there example. I think a more practical example, other than just running a background check, is just asking for references of previous employment, right? Of course, if you're, ho- if you're hiring Bobby Teenager and it's a 16-year-old blue belt who's on the mats all the time, what reference are you going to get from him, right? What his are you mom. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> you're going to call his mom and be like, how, how, how well did you do the dishes at home? You yeah. didn't take out the garbage last no, week. <laughs> yeah, but if you're hiring a grown person, right, man, man or woman, I think if you ask them, like, have you worked a previous job before? Do you mind if I get one or two references from your previous employer? Because it, it sucks to find out when you hire somebody and then you ask them, like, because... Th- when you run into school, there are going to be menial jobs that you're going to have to do and ask your employees to do as well, right? And know that I said employees, not just instructors, not just disciples. They are employees. You pay them a certain fee in order to recruit their services. So that requires doing stuff like cleaning the gym, emptying out the laundry bags, like stuff that Jesus instructors might feel that they're not... Um, it's beneath me. Yeah, it's beneath <laughs> me, but it's not, right? It comes with the territory of actually doing the job, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. If you're a bartender, even at a high-class bar, you're going to have to wash some glasses, right? It comes with the territory. And you don't want to go up to somebody and be like, hey, um, hey, Billy, can you uh, go empty out the, the laundry box? And like, no, 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 That's nah. crazy, right? And then that would have been avoided if you had called their previous employer when they were working at Starbucks and be like, hey, how did this guy get his task done? It's like, oh, it was a nightmare asking that guy to get anything done. He didn't come into work. He, he didn't come to work, out, all that stuff. Yeah. Customers. Like, would you want that guy working underneath you? Right. It's no, that's an obvious disqualifier. Right. And I think just the background check and the reference check is something that is not done. I won't even say is not uncommon. It's just not done. It's not done. In the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu recruitment or employment process. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing that we want to talk about now that we're done hating about how job hiring in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is janked up, right, is the acquirement of privates, right? This is what everybody wants to do. This is 
how people like line up their pockets. This is how people think they're, they're this is how people think that Gordon Ryan is affording his like million dollar mansion with his hot Brazilian girlfriend, <laughs> right? It says, Oh, he's teaching Elon Musk privates, he's teaching Mark Zuckerberg for the cage fight with Elon Musk. And this is just not the case, right? Yeah. I think there are multiple things or multiple myths that I want to dispel about privates in general. Um Giovanni, Don't what pull is out the rug. <laughs> Giovanni, what has been your experience with jujitsu privates just on the service level? I mean, <clears throat> I think uh, a lot of the skills that are required um, as an instructor are even more important in a private, especially because like now we're one on one. Now I really have to be able to talk to you, keep you engaged in this, especially if you're starting out. You have to be um, on. Yeah. So like I have to be, you know kind i have to be able this is your time sure you're paying me of course and i'm going to provide my my the serve my service to the best of my abilities but like this is your time so if you want to if you want to spar for an hour then we do that if you you know like i'm going to lead this based on what your goals are um but when it comes to like uh the, the sport and privates i think the sport has grown so a lot of there's a lot more access right so there's a lot more ways to go about it i know people now are able to teach privates in zoom which like 10 years was 10 years ago that wasn't as easy or wasn't as common um people would have laughed at you 10 years ago oh, if you one, said that. one thousand percent you know so like um I think it has, there's a lot more access, which is cool, but it waters down a lot of the quality that's out there as well. Um, so as a service, I think you encounter a lot of the similar problems you go to, just like any other school. You might encounter someone who might be a good athlete, but just shitty instructor. Maybe I, you know, and then some people overcharge, right? Like I don't, one of the challenges is like, am I get, what am I getting out of this, right? Like, is it, is this worth what I'm getting, like, I know people charge up to thousands of dollars and sure, they set such a high price because they don't want to do these things. But then what do you then what do you teach to someone who does pay that? Like, you're going to side control escapes. <laughs> right. Like, is, is your side like are your tips from side control, whatever you're going to teach me worth the thousands of dollars? Maybe, maybe not. Right. But then there's also people out there who are like charging an, a, nor a regular amount. And like you said, should not be teaching privates. Like, you, I don't care. There's some black belts out there who. Uh, great you got your black belt congratulations you should not be in an, in a role where you get to inst instruct you know you're just not qualified for a lot of the reasons we talked about right like you just don't know how to structure a curriculum you're not necessarily trying to help me achieve my goals you're just trying to show me this cool half guard shit you're cool at and that's it like i think there's you know but like i think um it's always going to come down to the individual and like I, who I am as a person, I always just want to help people, whatever they come to me for. So if you want to get better at this, cool, I'll do, I'll try to share as much as I can and try to help you out. But if you're coming to me for some Taekwondo shit, I'm gonna be like, sorry, sir, I don't know what the fuck to do here. Um, but privates is also a great way to like be, I think it's great. Um, it's like taking a summer course, right? Like it's, it's a, an hour usually right it's and like getting you, tutored right and it's like it makes you better as a, as a coach right i think it helps you um work on some stuff that you might not be ready to show in a full class environment um it just it makes you better overall so like you get what you put in right so if you if you try to actually teach a private and help this person then it's not only gonna are you doing your job but it makes you just better as a coach too yeah i mean my experience has been pretty much identical to yours yeah which is when you're teaching a private, you have to be fully engaged. If you have, it, it's one-on-one. -on -one. There's not 30 people in the room. <laughs> right. And then you show the moves, and then you're looking around, and the people are kind of doing it right, and you give them a tip, and then they don't listen. It's like, okay, whatever. I got to go talk to someone else. I can't right. talk to you for 15 right. minutes when there's 30 people in the room. When you're teaching a private, you're talking to someone for the entire length of that private. You're drilling with them. You have to keep the conversation going. You can't be like, 
dozing off, daydreaming, <laughs> swiping on the right. apps. You can't do any of that when you're, or at least you shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't do that. But it, but, I mean, do. We, we all have seen that, We've right? We've seen that, and yeah. there are people who run like terrible privates. And this is, a, I guess, this is just like a, an extreme example of having someone teaching a class who shouldn't be teaching a class. If you have someone who shouldn't be teaching a private, where you know they're always canceling or they're charging like a ridiculous rate, right? Or they're like. Someone's coming in and they're trying to be introduced to jujitsu for the first time, and they di- they just have them shrimp for like fifty minutes, you know, stuff like that, <laughs> oh which is absolutely God. ridiculous. <laughs> Wait, can I can I pause this? For yeah, a second? you could. So this is this is another segment in uh, the Latin Card podcast called Ray Story Time. Yeah. So Ray has another story, this time about one guy that we all know. Let's call him. Uh, let's call him Hugh Hefner. Oh right? man. So Hugh Hefner was a black belt who used to train at the school that I teach at now. And <laughs> I I forgot who told me this story. It's a secondhand story. But Hugh Hefner basically has a private session with a very athletic student, right? Yeah. But Hugh Hefner spent the night previous just uh, partying a little bit too much with uh, the bunnies at the Playboy Mansion, right? Yeah. So Hugh Hefner comes in, not in the best of conditions, <laughs> and not in any condition to teach, let, let alone train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But this athletic student comes in, wanted to train, all geared up, drink the coffee, right? So Hugh Hafner sits on the window, sits by the walls, and says, go do a lap around the gym, right, to warm up. So the athletic student does the lap. On the way back, he goes, do another one, right? It turns just into a 50-minute, like, run for the athletic student. El Diablo. And that's it. That was the private. This is exactly what you were talking about, Grahalis. This is exactly what I was talking about. I but mean, th- this is a real-life uh, anecdote. That's wait, a real-life example. Wait, before really you, do that. So let me just break it down for our uh, listeners that are not as uh, quick. You mean to tell me my man came into a jiu-jitsu school. Yeah. For private. For private. Pay the private rate. Pay the private rate. Yeah. For black belt. For black belt. And did laps. Laps. He's for the gym. 50 minutes. In the gym. We're going to train gym. hard. Yeah. I'm getting ready for whatever. I'm going to be bugging out. Okay. Wow. Yeah, oh, shout out to Hugh Hefner. Point. Shout outs to shout Hugh Hefner, out. the Playboy Bunnies. Um, wow. Hugh Hefner used to go get drinks sometimes on his privates. But yeah, that's, he did. That's a different conversation. That's a different that I conversation. Yeah, that's a different that, conversation. That wasn't oh. his fault. But still, my, my point is, is like people will come in and at the same time, it's like this is like another aspect of like the difficulty, quote unquote, difficulty of running a private. Um, it's that because it's a it's a private, it's one person. Each person needs something different. Like there are people who come in right. and they want to train. They want to train for 35 minutes with me. And then there's other people who come in and, and they just want to chit-chat. They just want to talk about, oh, you know, I had a tough day at work. Yeah. Oh, you know, my wife's a bitch. <laughs> you know, whatever <laughs> it is. They're like, they're like, oh, this, this guy's coming in. And, and part of doing this private with me is that he's not dealing with his real life, that he gets to spend some time with someone else who's not going to give him shit. And that's just like the nature of running privates. But it's just like Giovanni said. There's, there's people teaching them. They shouldn't be teaching them for all sorts of reasons. And... There's just a lot of different avenues to go down, but that's like kind of a surface level yeah. discussion of it. So one of the things that I want to talk about uh, about privates, other than the acquiring of them, I don't want to give away all the secret sauce, Dude, right? Sliding into the DMs. But <laughs> one of the things that I'm, I'm a lot more compassionate about, uh, compassionate about and a lot more empathetic towards is the actual teaching or what actually goes on in privates, right? Yeah. This is where I start to actually have a difference of opinion from Gahalas, but I don't really think there's anything wrong with like, okay, we talk about Hugh Hefner, how we don't agree with it, right? But as long as the student was like, wow, that was a great session. I'm so glad to have Hugh Hefner as my coach. Then really there's nothing wrong with it, right? 
because that's one person literally spending their money for their time or for another person's time, right? If we use an example that I might get some uh, slack for, I can't believe I'm saying all the controversial opinions. You're gonna start start talking about sex work real quick. No, no, no. Oh, okay. no. I thought that's where you was going. I was, with I was getting my shield <laughs> no, out no, real no. quick. So no, no. So let's say like uh, some of the. Um, um, medicinal practices or therapeutic practices out there that I've shown to have very little scientific efficacy, right? So, like, let's say cupping. Oh, man, chiropractic is yeah. fake. Uh, You're all fake. So, something like that, right? Chiropractic, right? Um, people pay hundreds of dollars for chiropractic adjustments. But if you look at the actual scientific evidence, there's not really much to support that it has, like, any, like, long-term benefits very like little. or athletic benefits, right, right. Um, for an athlete. But people... If you ask them, it's like, oh, I, I, I got a chiropractic adjustment. The guy snapped me up. He, I got the crinkles. I heard like a, I, I was my, like, a, my blood pressure's down. My blood pressure's down. I gained like three minutes on my lap time, right? I'm All harder this. than ever. That's it, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so God forbid me to tell this guy how to spend his money, right? If it makes him feel good, if it like makes him feel more confident in himself and his athletic performance. If people want to pay for, like, what I call, like, the bullshit private, then let them, right? It's their money. It's their time. They can spend it how they want. Now, again, maybe it's time for race story time, but there were plenty of people, or at least maybe not plenty, but at least one that I know of that would pay Hugh Hefner for his time, and he would show in and be like, man, I don't want to change jiu-jitsu. Let's just go get a drink. I'll still pay you for your day rate. That's fine, right? If you want to just pay for that companionship, yeah. pay for some guy to go out with a drink for him or with him, then that's totally fine, too. I think... When it comes to these private sessions, you really just have to find out what the student wants, right? Right. If he just wants, if they just want a friend, if they want to like get some extra mat time in, because I also know some privates that when they came in, there was no drilling, no lesson, no nothing. They were like slap bump, let's go to the death. Yes. Right? Um, there were just some people that would just wanted extra training time and paid somebody else for that extra training time, right? So there's such a far spectrum in how like a private lesson should be run. Um, what's actually done in a private lesson, and that's really at the discretion of the person paying. For their other person's time, so right? I, I think I, I probably mostly agree with you when you when you add the extra bit onto it. So at first I was like, well, I do disagree with Ray because there are people who I would call them charlatans. Like if you're if I'm charging you for something and I'm not giving you what I'm saying I'm giving you, then I'm full of shit. Yeah, and I, I feel that way about a lot of people, whether it's in martial arts or in other industries. There's tons of guys out there like Liver King's like a famous example of it. But there's a lot of people out there who are going to take your money and give you nothing back. And there are people who do that with privates now. To your point, if there's informed consent, if the person's like, no, I, I want to do a bullshit private, then cool. Like when Hugh Hefner went and he got drinks, he wasn't scamming that guy. For he didn't sure. trick him into going to get those drinks. He's just like, okay, you're going to pay me just to hang out? Word. That's what's up. Yeah. And I've, had, I've done privates where the guy just wanted to talk. Like he wanted advice and he, I, talked, I talked to him for, I put a gi on and then we just talked for like an hour and 10 minutes because he wanted advice about jujitsu. But I didn't trick him into doing that because I was hungover. And I think that's the line. If someone's coming in and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to really work on our skills. We're going to drill stuff. We're going to have a Q&A. We're going right. to do like a little positional sparring and I'm gonna, we're going to hone in on what we're doing. And then they come in and I'm just like, damn, I'm not feeling good today. And then you're like, yeah, go do a lap. Taquitos, go do a lap. How's, how's life going? And I just started bullshitting him out. It's like 40 minutes. I'm like, oh, actually, I got to. That's different, right? Yeah. I, I think that's where the line is. It's like, what does, what's the, what does the customer want? If they want to talk or if they want to go get a beer or, or if they want to roll for 90 minutes or whatever it is. As long as everyone's on the same page, it's fine. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. And now we're going to start talking about like the charlatans who do those privates, right? <laughs> so I, just like there are people who shouldn't be teaching, there are certain people that just shouldn't be doing private lessons, right? Right. I think that, and it all comes down to the head management of the school. 
I think that if you see a private going on and you see that this person is either teaching fake technique or this person is taking advantage of another person because you know that the other person wants to train, but they're spending 40 minutes talking about the weather or saying you're like, or just you just know they're Hugh Hefner and hungover and don't want to like spend the time to actually train with this person. They're you starting need, a cult. <laughs> yeah, starting a cult, right? You need to go up to this person and being like, hey, I don't agree with the way that you're making money off of this person. Right. I don't think it's fair to them. I don't think it's representative of the school that I want here. If you want to do this somewhere else, if you want to do this in your apartment, another person's school, go right ahead. But it's definitely not in the space that I want to create here. Right. Yeah. I think that there are certain people that just shouldn't be allowed to teach privates for this way, because I think privates are a great way for certain people to take advantage of other people. And as we've seen before yeah. in the past, this can become very predatory. Right. Because at the end of the day. These privates are often done behind closed doors when very little... One-on-one. Yeah, one-on-one. Very intimate settings. Very few people are in the gym to supervise this private, right? So it can be not... It can be a very... um, Not that advantageous, but... It can be a very dangerous setting for certain people to take, be taken advantage if, of. If you're a predatory sure. person, there's a lot of leverage from the student-coach dynamic. And it's something you actually see in like um, with life coaches. Like there, there are people who they'll advertise themselves as life coaches and they'll go... And they'll intermingle with groups of like at-risk people. They're like, oh, this is like a divorcee social group to like learn how to cope. And they go in and they're charging people like insane rates and they're just taking advantage of people. And that happens in jiu-jitsu too. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think one of the memes is that you have like, I think we talked about this in the dating episode, right? Where you have an instructor or a purple belt or a brown belt and they see a young attractive person come into the door and they go, oh, let me show you this arm bar. Oh, I'd show you a lot better if we did a private. But then three privates wow, in. Wow, you're really athletic. <laughs> wow, you're really athletic. I'm going to give you a free private. Yeah. And then like, wow, you want to see my favorite pass? It's a double underpass. It's a double underpass. <laughs> it's a double underpass, right? You want to see my favorite position? Break. It's, it's, the, it's north-south, right? And it's just, it's just a way for... Uh, somebody in the community to take advantage of somebody else in the community, right? I think um, I think it's a really good correlation that you use like these health help groups because uh, you use the example of like uh, veterans and like AA like seeing like a young attractive person be like yeah, I can help you through whatever you're working with but that's just the guys to get into their pants. Yeah, if you spend enough time in those groups you would see that it's it, that's what it always is. Or yeah. In that case it was, but yeah. So I think gym owners have to be very careful to spot out this behavior and being like Hey, not being like, afraid of the confrontation that comes with. Yeah, for sure. Say. Like, hey, if you want to like Mac and get in, like uh, start like um, uh, building up a relationship with a student or another student, like that's the conversation of another time. Either that's not allowed from employees or whatever, whatever the policy is. Hopefully, there is a policy. Hopefully, there's a policy. Even if there isn't or whatever, you just have to let the other person know that it's kind of don't be an infiltrator. Yeah, d- don't use the guise of a benevolent benevolent person and uh trying to um seduce them with like jiu-jitsu technique or your social status as a a senior figure of the gym exactly oh i'm like one of the top people in the social hierarchy i'm one of the top people in the program i have social proof i have all these pictures of the guy who owns the gym you see me teaching this class you could trust me right and then i thought you'd teach me how to do arm bars and now you're trying to show me double underpass for 45 minutes it's yeah no, yeah. that's that's definitely a way that people use private lessons in order to basically creep. Now I have a I have a question for both of you. All right, go ahead. Um, if you're a student, right, and you see this an instructor or multiple instructors, right, and they're kind of teaching privacy, and you just feel way off. I, I, do you 
take it upon yourself to inform the head instructor about something that you may like maybe you see this person act something like we just all talked about right like maybe he's showing a double underpass and it's just kind of creepy right and he it's isn't like that one type of double underpass right I it's saw that video. right like it's maybe once or twice you, or multiple times you see this and maybe there's even like rumors or word you know that this he's he normally does this kind of thing right you as a student right because now you're a member of this gym and we see this a lot where like you see the usual you know mind what, your business yeah or like whether he's a creep whatever it is you see that person they're just like oh that's just what's his name that's how he is yeah that's you Hefner yeah that's, that's you his Hefner. favorite guard pass yeah, oh that he does he that won American Nationals with that guard pass of course right he's, that's what he's showing <laughs> so like I, I think for me after doing this for so long right and going from instructor to being a um, coach to like you know being a coach and an instructor right like a lot of it changes right and I think it's important to you know if, if the head instructor isn't around and it's something that has been going on so do you feel like how do you feel about that so I think it's very difficult for most students because most students are white and blue belts and I'll right. get into this in a second for them to like really they feel um, like outsiders well if for them to really confront or verbalize any um uh What's the word I'm looking for? Negative. Uh, yeah, negative emotions or negative feelings that they have towards certain practices and practices practices in the space. Right. Right. So I, I think that the so social hierarchy, like we talked about in episode one, Cult of Jiu-Jitsu, like I think the social hierarchy doesn't do them any favors. Right. right. They feel like they're at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. just a white belt. I should be talking about this. I don't even Not know how to arm bar. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, actually saying it out loud is such a weird disconnect in my head. Yeah. Like I see like some 40-year-old uh, black belt like trying to mack on this 18-year-old white belt <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm just a white belt. I don't know how to armbar. I shouldn't say something, right? Like, yeah. Like, that's, so, that's just so dumb, right? You're, you're, you're a human being. And, and you're this a human is, being. Like, you have as much why, rights as the other person. This is why belts are fake, right? Because yeah, exactly. people, pe as, as people come in, all you see is this belt and you're like, oh, this person's a black belt. That guy, he's down. Yeah. He's down with the cause. Nah, belts are fake. Fuck that. Um, so, let's, uh, I don't want to switch this up because this is very important, but what I want to talk about, so we still have some time, is just how we start making money off privates, right? I think visibility is probably the biggest thing when it comes to yes. uh, actually trying to acquire and maintain and make money off privates. Right. I think the biggest thing that you have to do is just let people know that you do privates in some capacity, yeah. right? I think if you offer any service, people have to know that you offer the service, right? That's why so many companies put so much money in advertisement. And social media is a great way to do this, going around and telling people that you do this, right? Yeah. Doing like a subtle nod when you're teaching classes, if you already teach classes, if you're like teaching like an arm bar and you say, oh, this is a detail I teach my private students. Just doing that alone has gotten me privates, right? Telling people that you do them. Just broaching the subject yeah. in a general way. Just going up to somebody or rather just going up to anybody when you're answering a question after class. If somebody says like, hey, Anthony, I, um, can you answer, help me answer this problem with, uh, with side control? And it's like, yeah. And then you do the sub subliminal messaging and it's like you give them a two minute answer. Put your arm here. Put your arm here. And then you say, well, if we, had some more, yeah, yeah. if we had some more time in a private lesson, I can definitely show you more options. Right. right. That's a great way to upsell them. And of course, most of the time you're going to be like, oh, I'll think about it. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. But realistically, you don't need 60 privates, right? You just need a couple every week that are consistently paying you for their for your time. Yeah. yeah. No, it's... um. Oh, yeah. What does this feel like? It's definitely easier to have a few people who you do consistent privates with. Like, I, I have a few students who have, I've done, like, dozens of privates with them individually. And it, it's a lot easier to fill my schedule doing that. I'm like, oh, you know, this guy so-and-so, 
he Monday 8 p.m.s, he's almost always down. I could just like pencil that into my calendar and we're good to go. That's a lot easier than having to go out and finding a new one every week. Right. And being like, oh man, I got five hours. I got availability. I got to be all up in everybody's DMs, creeping on them at the end of the white belt class and stuff like that. And it's funny you say it that way because that's kind of how it's like. It's like, for sure. It's, it's just it's significantly easier to do it that way. You catch someone, um, catch someone. You get someone who's interested in doing lessons with you and they're more interested in this is something we've talked about recently. It's like, we could do one private, but unless you have one very specific question about something that I'm particularly good at and I can help you with, probably not going to help that much. Like, right. what's, what would be more effective, not just for my bank account, but also for your jiu-jitsu knowledge, is if we do them like pretty consistently, like once a week yeah. or twice a week or every other week, and then you could put them on, this is something I do and I know Ray does, I'm not sure if Bonnie does it, but a lot of people do it. It's like you, you sell them on a, like a bunch of sessions at a reduced rate from what yeah, like a pack. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. pack. And I think that just works better for, number one, it works better for me for sure. Yes. And I know it works better for a lot of them because they feel like they're like, okay, well, if I buy whatever it is, five, ten, like I'm in it. Yeah. Like I gotta, I can't let Grahala steal my money. <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta come in and learn how to do a double underpass for 45 minutes because yeah. I'm getting that money back. And I, I think it's it, from that sense, it's a win-win. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think, and then this is where I start hating on like the people who want to make money in jiu-jitsu, that if you want to make money in anything, Right. You're going to have to study sales and sales tactics to some degree. Yeah. Right. I, and a lot of this information is out there on the Internet for free. Right. Shout out to Alex Hormozzi. Right. Um, uh, he has a great just plethora of information available on Spotify, on his YouTube channel, on his Instagram of just very basic sales tactics. Right. How to upsell, how to ask people for money, certain ways to get around like, oh, I'll think about it. Right. There is just so much studying that you have to do outside of jiu-jitsu to make money in this space, right? Because if you want to make money doing anything, you're going to have to know how to sell your product, right? Because yeah. even it's if your product... that almost anyone needs. If your product is the best product in the world, right? You have to convince people of that, yes. right? No one's just going to be able to watch jiu-jitsu. And I think this is such a fallacy in people who want to make money in jiu-jitsu where they come to class, they barrel everybody, they guillotine everybody, and they think the white belt on the, on the mat is just going to notice this, right? right. He's yeah, going to notice the intricacy of your technique and be like, wow, I need to learn that. I need to learn that and I could do that. I've had that happen where I've been training with with someone and I'm like bamboozling him. I'm doing whatever I want. I'm like, you're my son now. You have to wish me happy Father's Day. You got to get me the card. Facts. And then I've had someone walk up to them and be like, wow, so-and-so, how did you do that move? Do you do pressing? Like, what are you talking about? I crushed this man from bell to bell. But that's because that person taught classes. That person was visible teaching classes. It could be for all sorts of reasons. It could just be because the moves that I was doing, that guy was just like, those moves are fucking Facts. stupid. I don't want to do those moves. I want to do the three seconds of the round that he did something, I want to learn how to do that. And I think that's that's such a big thing just for people, just to be visible and like actively visible for people to know that you do privates, for people to know that you have availability. Yeah. And that's something that you have to work on because I mean, there was definitely a time before I started coaching where people would ask me if I thought I did privates, but that's because to go to one of your earlier points, they were people who they were more junior to me as grapplers and I, but I trained with them a lot and I answered a lot of questions and they're like, oh, maybe he does privates too. But it was certainly now people who I don't know will come up to me and ask me about it. And that never used to happen to me before. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way that you market yourself and some great ways to do this again are on social media. Just film yourself. If you're already teaching a class, 
film yourself teaching that class, right? That's free content, right? Staying after class and just putting in the extra effort of answering questions, increasing your visibility in the community which in you teach, and also just telling people that you teach privates, right? Putting it out there, putting yourself out there. It's kind of like dating, right? In a lot of ways. I teach privates. Thanks. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> Everyone here teaches privates. So it's kind of like dating in a lot of ways, right? If you're at the bar, but if you're sitting in a corner, you're eating chicken wings and yeah, watching your the NFL. Up. Yeah, your hoodie up, watching the NFL game on your phone, right? No one's going to know you exist. Talking about your wife. Right? Don't and do then, that. then you go home and be like, man, why? All, all these people, they don't want to notice me. They don't buy I'm, me drinks. Yeah, I'm, I'm the most interesting person in the room. They're no not one in comes my up DMs. To me, right? No, but if you go up to everybody at the bar, hey, what's your name? How you doing? Oh, that's cool. I do this too, right? That's how you make yourself more visible. And trust me, as an introverted person, bro, this sucks sometimes, right? Yeah. I don't want to talk to anybody. Why do I have to prove to you that I got what you need? You should know you that. You should know. Didn't you, you see should... me beat you up? Yeah, but Aren't some people there? just need to be convinced, right? And that's your job as a, basically a salesperson, right? Because you you're selling yourself, right? Yeah. Word. You're selling your time. You have to market this to other people. And I think the biggest thing is just making yourself more visible. Now, of course, I don't have the secret sauce. I don't have like the the one line or the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Egyptian God card. You don't have the like, hypnosis yeah. <laughs> I don't have the app that just hypnotizes people and like they, they start, just start paying you ah. money. Venmo Cash App, right? But it's definitely a start to just increase your visibility in wherever that you train. No, right? I definitely think like the, the secret sauce is uh, doing your work and just trying to be a decent human being like know how to talk to people like you know if you're if sales you know if i'm trying to get somebody for doing business it's probably not the time to be throwing out dick jokes right that said if in the future Depends. you and the, yeah if, if you and this person if you get to know them and they fuck with dick jokes great yeah. but like off the rip like i'm trying to be respectful all right you want to do this i can help you great um but definitely like a lot of those skills are just constantly overlooked and people just look at oh you got a black belt cool here do this i teach me how to fucking arm bar yeah. Oh, wait, no, no, you're a creep. You're a uh, creep. Uh. So it's it's very it's very tricky. And I think like for martial arts in general, that's, a, you know, it's always going to be a bit of an issue. Um, but once again, sports in general, like all the gymnastics. Yeah. Sweat stuff. Uh, belts aren't real. Belts, belts are, real. are fake. Belts are fake. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're going to transition into our weekly competition segment. We got uh, Jobani's. Weekly competition segment. Giovanni, what do you got for us this week? Nothing. There was nothing that happened this week. I was trying to I was trying to psyop that when I was like, oh, I was gonna be on the podcast. I'm like, wait, what happened recently? Like, yeah, nothing. Not, I haven't not, seen any I've seen okay. a bunch of throwbacks. Yeah, no, that I think um there's there's a couple of like fights that were announced. I mean, we talked about like the Asia Open happening. Um, who's number one recently just announced uh Fion versus Jasmine Hocha. Like there's been a couple of announcements, but in terms of competition, it's pretty it's pretty slow. Summertime, I think a lot of the athletes are you know in summer i'm in camp prepping for no gi quote-unquote season um nationals is coming up yeah nationals coming up trials is coming up later this year i believe first trials is in october or something because adcc is next year um so in terms of comp there's just a bunch of fucking messy ass athletes out i mean there's no competitions out there i mean the only competitions i've been hearing about lately are like these adcc (laughs) opens yeah because there's a lot of people showing up to them yeah yeah and it's it's not just it's not just like you know, 45-year-old Johnny Black Belt who's, like, going out there and is like, oh, you know, I haven't done ADCC. It's like there's a lot of pros who are showing up to these events fighting against other pros. Yeah. And so I've been hearing about that, but a lot of why I've been hearing about that is just because there's a lot of Americans who are popular on social media Yeah. who like to talk shit about what's going on. Oh, my guy beat your guy, (laughs) so-and-so, and and stuff like that. And, I mean, that I think that's, like, a big part of why 
and nogi has become more popular as time has gone on it's like who's participating in that sport versus who's participating in the gi yeah but that's really all i've been hearing about um yeah so we're kind of we're kind of chill on the on the competition segment um do we have any more hating to do yeah so i <laughs> oh wait wait so, before before you go sorry not to cut you off i brought back some hate so adcc recently they added some weight classes Right. They, oh, I'm sorry, not added. They changed and added one weight class. Right. So for the uh, female division, it was previously it was 66. Right. It was or 66 it, it was, plus minus. Yeah. Or, or it was either minus 60 plus whatever it was. It, like it was something like that. And now recently they changed the two current weight classes. So now it's minus 65 plus 65 and they've added a minus 55 kilos. So you take two steps forward by adding one weight class and then take five steps back by just changing the two current ones. So you're kind of just basically back where you started. Um, the reason that it's just. I guess I'm a hate on it is because like that's kind of a slap in the face for a lot of the women athletes. We just talked about the ADCC Open and you can't use the excuse about there's not enough women, right? Like you might as well give them the opportunity to make more money. We're talking about how hard it is and how much of a struggle it is to make money, right? And I think like as the sport is growing, obviously still predominantly male, but there's been so many uh, female athletes that uh, that have, you know, have such a big name, but they just don't get the same opportunities, right? Um, so I definitely feel like that was a bit of a like, oh, here, take this. After many years of um, females uh, voicing out that they want more uh, divisions added, right? And in general, just like trying to grow the sport, right? It, as a as a whole so to have that and then just add the one weight class change the two current ones like we've seen that this with the sport growing we've seen a variety of uh different sizes right so i just feel like they needed to add more weight classes so like adcc you got you know there's a lot of good shit you guys are doing but you know you need to add more female weight classes so if we're gonna hate let's just hate on adcc in general all right Mohasim. Well, I'm not gonna say anything <laughs> bad about you just in case i want to ask you for money one day you're great <laughs> um so I think in general, ADCC could stand to add weight classes to all of their divisions, right? Yeah. Male and female. Yes. I it's think, of course, big, yeah, weight jumps. Like when when I um, first knew that ADCC only had two female weight divisions before this, right before the change, yeah. which was plus sixty six minus sixty six, I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's literally crazy, right? Just to have two female weight divisions, it's just so jarring because you literally have people who are like. Um, Karate hottie, right? Like 105 pounds. Yeah, Michelle right? Watterson. Michelle yeah, yeah, Watterson. Yeah. There's, they're like fighting at 105 pounds versus 130 pound women. And then as soon as they hit like the plus 66 kilo mark. 140 they're, pounds? They're, no, they're fighting Gabby Garcia. Yeah, right. Literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally. So it's just such a giant weight discrepancy. It doesn't really allow for good jiu-jitsu on either weight bracket, right? Yeah. Because really like, the best jiu-jitsu comes out when like two people are so evenly matched that like, you really get to see the skill discrepancy between either athlete, right? Right. But we've seen it before where you have such as like a good skilled grappler and the weight advantage is just too much for them to overcome. Right. Yeah. And it, it just ruins the experience. Right. At least most of the time. Yeah, and oh. it's one thing for it to be an absolute. Like if you know, if you're 105 pounds and you're like, I don't care. Size is fake. Technique is the only thing that matters. I want to go to the absolute and get demolished. I mean, that was your choice to be a stupid ass. Yeah. But if the weight classes are essentially, oh, you're born as a woman and you're five foot eight, you have to fight a sumo wrestler. That's insane. That's that is insane. crazy. But yeah. it's also the same in the men's divisions, right? I yes. think it's it's kind of like paradoxical that they're um, always talking about how they're growing the competition, how they have 5,000 people competing for one weight class. 600 people showed up to yeah. ADCC East Coast Trials. It's like, like, 
why didn't you make more weight the classes racket, then? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why and, and you're talking about like renting out like stadiums yeah. for the competition. Like you're obviously not lacking in terms of like financial assistance because isn't this like promoted by like one of the sheiks in Abu Dhabi? Some shit. Like, yeah. no, this is cap- capitalism. Yeah. Someone you're not supposed to take a picture with. Yeah, for sure. Like someone that definitely like you can't we get might not, We might not make it to the next episode if they it. if they get a hold of some yeah, of the shit we're talking here. Or like, <laughs> yeah, nah, we, we, the bands will roll up with uh, the bands. Yeah, nah, we... <sighs> So uh, that said, yeah, no, it, but it, it all comes. <laughs> it all comes down to people who have money, and th- their priorities are just making the money, right? They're I mean, not thinking about it like to, we are. To be devil's advocate, because I love Mo, I I, I believe the uh, the argument that's been made in the past is like, yeah, there's these huge weight jumps, but the reason why they have these huge weight jumps is because we want every bracket to be like absolutely insane. And to their credit, that's true. Where if you look at you know if you look at seventy seven kg last year or eighty eight kg, it's like these brackets are awesome. Everyone there is is great. Like you, ha- you know who was gonna win. Uh, JT like lost pretty early. He was like people, JT's gonna win. And he yeah. didn't win. He like he didn't get to the finals, even though he's a great grappler. And uh, part of that is because single elimination is just it is what it is the format. But also part of that is because there wasn't a bunch of bums. Everyone there was good. Now, if they had seventy seventy seven, and there was like another bracket between seventy seven and eighty eight. Does that mean that those guys would be bummed? Of course not. That's that's nah. not true. Well, I think like I think you just make an adjustment, right? Like, look at the weight classes they have for ADCC Open. Like, what they're doing for these opens, like I just don't see. Why don't you just do that for the ADCC? Sure, maybe yeah. you, you maybe you limit the amount of competitors, right? Like, you still want to make it a pre-qualified. I I don't know. Like, maybe you keep the weight class. You just change the size. I, there's there's obviously a lot of ways you can go about it, but there's clearly an issue, right? And you're not going to be able, like, there's not one thing that's going to satisfy everybody, no. right? Like, there's people that love the way that it is right now. And I think, um, but, but for the men, at least they have, like, a lot of options, whereas in the female, you just gave them another one and you already, you changed the two current ones that they already had an issue with. It's not like you made anything better, yeah. you know? The but weight def- classes are still big for men, but at yeah. least you have options. Like, for sure. Like, and, and, if you're 185 pounds, you could starve, you know, quote-unquote starve yourself to get to 77, or yeah. you could just be kind of small at, you know, 88. For sure. But I think, like, definitely it could be, like, where you do add a weight class or two. Like, you could definitely, there's, there's always going to be uh, some, an improvement to be done especially in the weight classes but because a lot of these rules are still outdated like look how long adcc has been around and they just added a third women's weight class you know so like it's it's very it, it's the same thing with IBJJF. like look at their weight classes like they haven't made any adjustments and shit like that so a lot of these organizations have very old rules but their priorities just align with like oh I'm, i gotta make money i'm yeah, gonna charge also, you this much and shit. also resistant to change for sure and i, I think probably I think there's a decent chance we see the weight classes changing at ADCC just yeah. because the sport is bigger now. Absolutely. And if you wanted to say, you know, oh, back in 2003, there's not enough guys to right, fill out these right. brackets. Well, you know what? You're probably right about some of the brackets. Yeah. But I, I think the more and more time that goes on, it's gotten to the point where it's like, wow, there's so many guys. It's all killer, no filler. And it's going to get to the point where it's like, actually, it's kind of like we're actually losing out on a lot of good matches because we don't have, you know, the extra brackets. Yeah. And I, and I think it just goes like, Maybe the priorities are, are a little bit different, but it all goes in line with like growing the sport, right? Like you want more people to, you want to give people more opportunities. You want to, you know, there's a lot of athletes out there that we might not have heard of that we don't know are really good. Like a few years ago, who the fuck was Samuel Nagai? We talked like he he came from the hood, you know. Same thing with uh, Jansen Gomez. Like they were obviously these are they're great athletes and they've always been able to stand out. But there's a lot of those kind of athletes out there that don't get the same recognition uh, or the yeah, same backing as like AOJ. 
day, they right? Don't have or, the same accessibility, right? And 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 I think that like um, with competition, right? Like you just want to, if your goal is to continue to grow the sport, then don't tell me you have seven thousand competitors every weekend, and then you don't want to, you don't want to fix your, you know, your current weight classes, right? Like it's just, you know, kind of okay. confusing. So, I want to end out the podcast because I forgot that we, I didn't do a pendejo of the week. Oh, so pendejo of the week. And you guys, I can't believe I ended this on, on this note. But Pendejo of the Week goes to Johnny Bravo, right? Now, Johnny Bravo is like the culmination of like everything that we talked about in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, at least when it comes to like making money and like them doing it every making, way you're not supposed to. Making no money. Like every way you're not supposed to do it, right? So they're not really making money because I talked to Johnny Bravo and Johnny Bravo was like, oh, I want more privates and doing more money. Like, didn't you just do like three privates with that girl and like... <laughs> that should be a uh, foreshadow of like what's to come. Yeah. But Johnny Bravo, basically, if you ever watch the cartoon, it's the same thing. It's the same formula every episode. He like views a woman for the first time and that's it. I love her. I right? love her. I have to. I have to. I, I have to marry have her. To except, to her. Except the show was funny. Yeah. This isn't funny. <laughs> this is right? definitely funny. So every <laughs> single time a certain archetype of person comes oh, into man. the gym Johnny Bravo is always like, let me show you how to do arm bars. Oh, you free for privates. I teach you privates. He's, he's panting in the corner. He's panting in the corner. Hyperventilating. And, oh, man. And literally, we're just all watching. And it's like, huh, how long is it going to take for Johnny Bravo to try to offer her privates? Right? But then it doesn't take long because at the end of class, Johnny it's Bravo's like doing class. privates. Yeah, it's like one class. Johnny Bravo's doing privates with her. Right? And it's train with her for 40 minutes after class is over. And a lot of these times, because Johnny Bravo feels bad and doesn't want to, like, take money from this district, doesn't. So these are free privates, right? He's actually giving them free privates. He's actually giving them free privates. So he's not making any money doing privates, right? Yes. He's only doing it to certain people who aren't reciprocating his feelings, i.e. Johnny Bravo, right? <laughs> and the target of his affection changes, like, every single week. The, the, my one true love of today. Right? He's got the Excel sheet. Um, don't be a Johnny Bravo fan. Don't be Johnny Bravo. Don't be Johnny, be Johnny Bravo. Don't be Johnny Bravo. But work hard. Don't try to take the easy way out. Don't be a creep, fam. Be creep. Go, you want to go fucking meet girls? Go fucking go out. I think Ray has said this multiple, you know, a few times. Where like we, it's, and it might be New York bias, right? Step outside and we promise you, thirty seconds, you're gonna see forty five women cross, you know, pass by you. So stop being a fucking creep, dog. Um, so, but we like, do we love Johnny Bravo? Are we gonna are we, are we ah still? Johnny Bravo has his moments. Okay, right? All right, so, oh I thought we were gonna start hating. Oh, no, I, 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 so even, even though he's the pendejo of the week, uh, we, we still got love for you. Yeah, we still he got love cool. for you, Johnny Bravo. Sometimes I sometimes. make fun of him though. He knows. <laughs> you know, I make fun of him to his face. All right, <laughs> thanks everybody for tuning in. This has been episode eleven of the Latin X Guard podcast. <laughs> thanks so much. I was looking at the Spotify recently, and I guess I'll share this information with Giovanni. We are five star rated on Spotify. No hey, hate ratings just yet. No hater. We first we had 35 ratings on spotify thank you right? so thank, thank you, you so Run. much if you if you haven't liked the, the the podcast yet please leave your five-star rating yeah and i don't mean to discredit anybody who's um uh rated the podcast we love and appreciate all of you but if you haven't please consider doing so it helps us tremendously like subscribe right? comment um if i want to hate we have me. we have more five-star ratings than kendall roosing in her podcast Word. oh we don't have we need to and get some things i want to do some some like gunshots like <laughs> Oh, I, I have the air horn. Oh, dude, dude air, no, I gotta find it. Okay, so keep uh, talking about something. It's not a lot of next podcast I mean, without uh, air horn. Look, I think, so if, you, if you've listened to other podcasts, right, it, there's, there's certain what people will go quote-unquote pod wars. When it comes to the jiu-jitsu community, uh, we just want to say we're the number one jiu-jitsu podcast. If you have any beef, come see us, yo. Because jiu-jitsu podcast, you suck. <laughs> you want shit? I don't even know if he has a podcast anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, but that said, um, the... 
thank you so much for to everyone who's obviously like liked, uh, shared, support. Even if you hate it and you haven't hated shared that with us, sh- share. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Share. Oh, all, I don't have headphones. So I didn't hear it. Share all the hate, uh, all the love. You know, either way, we appreciate it. Um, but it's been such a fun adventure. Thank you guys for for you know, chatting. Jiu-jitsu. Thanks for listening to this yeah. talk shit. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, thanks for listening to Latinx Guard podcast. Um, once again, this has been your host, Ramundo Gonzalez. And this is Giovanni Rosario. And this is Anthony Grajales. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mundo or at Big Monkey Productions. You can also find the podcast at Latinx Guard Podcast on Instagram. Giovanni, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Giovanni underscore Rosario on Instagram. And then uh, also at Tres Golpes Jiu Jitsu um, on Instagram. You could find me on Instagram at uh, Chairman Fu. And you can find me in real life at Phoebe's Tavern. <laughs> where, where, where shout, out to, shout out to Phoebe. Shout out to Phoebe's. <laughs> and, and I sell private lessons. We, we all we all sell private lessons. We, we all sell private lessons. <laughs> and also shout outs to Kendall Roosing. I listen to her podcast. It's a great podcast. Get a grip with Kendall Roosing. Yeah. There's um, a lot of good jiu-jitsu podcasts out there. We're the best, though, but uh, there's, there's a lot yeah. of good um, So shout outs to Kendall Roosing, even though my podcast is better. Thank you so much. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day, guys.